your question was that a lot of times people have judgment about being a Lyft driver or being an actor or a writer and all that. I've seen all of that, mm-hmm. absolutely. And by telling them, hey, I have this plan for savings, that diffuse, diffuses a lot of that. That's that a great says, idea. Yeah, I have this bigger plan that's going on. And not only am I just talking about it, I'm actually making choices. I'm taking action about it. Mm-hmm. And as you've, I think, mentioned before, the other person probably appreciates it too because everybody in many ways is like not at a place where they want to be with money. Hi, I'm Dahlia. I'm not your therapist, but I am a dating coach, a matchmaker, and your new best friend when your real best friend just doesn't want to listen to you anymore. So let's have it. Listener question, and I will remind you if you're interested in date coaching or have a listener question to reach out to us at notyourtherapistpodcast at gmail.com or notyourtherapistpodcast on Instagram. This week, I'm addressing a question regarding dating people that someone in your past may have also dated. I know that people get very scared around this topic. They don't want to offend anyone. There's girl code. There's guy code. But honestly, if that person in your life didn't end up with this person, then you have the right to. So I had someone who wanted to reach out to a guy on Facebook that she didn't know, but she saw he was going to an event that she wanted to go to. And then she realized maybe he had dated a friend of hers in the past casually. We've all dated each other casually. This really can't be something that stands in your way. If you are attracted to someone, they are fair game. Maybe, maybe, maybe if it's a close friend or it was more serious, yeah, then you're going to want to have a conversation with that friend and also ask yourself if it's really worth it to follow this. But most of the time, I think if it's possible that you can end up with this person, then it's worth whatever kind of uncomfortability there is at the beginning. Everyone has dated each other. The world, while it's big and there's plenty of options, it's also small in our social circles and on social media. There's a high chance you're going to date someone that someone else dated. And we just kind of have to get over it and be generous with each other. As Dan Savage, my favorite person, says, you know, in the gay community, because it's so much smaller, this is just expected. This is just accepted as a way of life that you're going to date people that your friends have dated. And there's going to be crossover. For some reason, outside of the gay community, we don't expect that as much. So we get this weird guilt about it. But I think as long as you're communicative, open and honest and considerate that it's, you know, been enough time or whatever, you're honest about it. We really can't be standing in the way of each other's happiness because of standing on ceremony with some politeness that we've imagined. So I told this person, reach out on Facebook, say, hey, I see we have some friends in common or I saw that you're going to this event and I think you're really attractive. Would you like to get a drink sometime? Here's my number. Let me know and leave it at that. And if you need to tell your friend, tell your friend, be communicative, be cool, but don't be overly trepidatious because at the end of the day, We all are connected somehow, and that shouldn't stand in the way of our future connections. Hello, welcome. I am here with what I think is going to be one of my favorite guests of all time. His name is Dylan Snowden, and I'm going to read his bio. Here we go. Dylan Snowden is a financial coach for creatives. He teaches writers, performers, artists, and others in the freelance world how to manage their money. He has an acute understanding of that world, having been a comedy writer and teacher at the UCB Theater in LA. Earlier this year, he won a Writers Guild Award for his work on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. That's so ironic. I never thought about that before, but your clients all want to be millionaires. (laughs) 
I is that why you is that how you won is that how you were so good at writing for that i would say that most of the clients listen i think almost anybody would want to be a millionaire but when we talk about our goals it's like i just want to be happy and content about the money i have now. don't we all yes we all do and the reason dylan is here aside from i love him and work with him myself full disclosure is um i notice finance is coming a lot up in the dating world and in relationships. And I think as we've all learned, finances can be a huge part of a relationship success or your process of dating. I hear this a lot from people who are dating about how expensive it is or who's supposed to pay or just the challenges of like, how do you get to know a person while not having a ton of money, you know, that sort of thing, especially because a lot of people I do talk to, a lot of people who live in LA are creatives. Um, And Dylan's specialty is working with creatives on their finances. So I brought Dylan on to talk about how money kind of affects the whole dating world and relationships. And it's something we don't, we don't actually address a lot in our day-to-day conversations, but it certainly comes up for everyone over and over again. Yeah, especially when it comes to every individual in America, I would say. You know? I would agree. It's Money is a difficult topic for an individual who's single, who is just living on their own, having their regular life, enjoying their cup of coffee in the morning and the drink in the evening. And then it's difficult even more so when you have a relationship because you know we get attracted to our similarities and differences in our partners. But usually when there's differences in money, yeah, that's the tough part to kind of um, square that circle. So that's something that has to either be resolved or, you know, what I see a lot is they don't resolve it and they put it in a box in the closet and they hope, you know, it doesn't explode a lot of times. Do you think it's true that, um, because I think there's some statistic that's like, you know, I'm totally making this up, but around like 50% of divorces or something are because of financial reasons. I wouldn't be surprised by that statistic because finances are really interesting because a lot of people will think, and maybe this isn't true, but some people think like, oh, it's just a monetary question. Like, where are you spending your money? But what money is, and so I talked to about clients like early on, is that the choices we make on money are value choices. Mm. It's the decisions of what you find is important. So when I hear that there are divorces about money, it's really not just that, oh, it's not a dollar for this, dollar for that. It's just like you're spending money. You're valuing something that I do not. Yeah. And that is the disagreement. So you have two separate sets of values, essentially. And that's, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's reasons because of how you are in the relationship, what what kind of partnership you have, what kind of parenting you had. Like how do you define money is, how you define money is really how you were raised and how you look at it. And so for a lot of folks... I'm going to say it for everybody. Everybody has a different value towards money. They look at it differently. So when you're married or long-term relationship, you have two different viewpoints and you kind of have to, I mean, the first step is understanding the other viewpoint as well. So yeah, money is difficult and there's, everybody looks at it differently and not that everybody thinks that they have the right choice of how they spend money, but it's a deep value. It's like yeah. when talking about religion with mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. or politics. It's like, this isn't what I believe in. And if you criticize my money choices, you're criticizing me. Because yeah. we, this is something that I talk to about every, with everybody is that like people carry shame about spending money or yeah. saving money. And that's part of our culture is that we unfortunately shame people for not saving enough. 
but also for not spending. <laughs> right, right. And I found when I started to work with you, I remember I got pretty emotional for our first, I don't know, three or four meetings just because like money is such an emotional thing that is tied so much to how you were brought up, your feelings about kind of safety and if you have enough money and what that says about you. And then also like with the shame, I think there's this, it's this weird shame so then when you feel shame, sometimes that actually makes you spend more money. Like I would do this weird thing where when I, when I felt good about how much money I had, I'd be like, I, okay, well, I'm just going to spend it really fast. Almost like I had to get rid of it. Like mm-hmm. I didn't feel good about having it. But then when I didn't have it, I didn't feel good about not having it. So mm-hmm. I think it is tied to so many things. And it's so interesting because I've actually said for a while, I think that a useful question on like dating apps or when I used to work for a matchmaking company and we had certain questions we would ask everybody would be like, how do you spend your money? Or like, what's kind of like, if you had a million dollars, what would you spend it on? I think it's very telling about a person. Like, would you spend it on food? Would you spend it on experiences? Would you spend it on a house? Would you spend it on saving for your kid's college fund? Mm. You know, like, I've always thought that that's very, very telling. So that's interesting because, you know, on this podcast, there's lots of talk about dating apps. And I remember being on dating apps in my 20s and 30s. And a lot of people post, especially in LA, uh, they love to travel. Yeah. And in my mind, working with clients, usually traveling costs money. You yeah. Know? And so it's them putting aside cash for the things that they value. Either a lot of people ex- value exercise and yoga. Those are also different expenses. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm curious to think if people put those answers down, how well they would connect. Because I think <laughs> this is maybe what I see is that like, as people will think that this is what they want to spend their money on. But then there's like, okay, let's have a conversation about other opportunities you can spend your money on. So for a lot of folks, one of our first things that I do with folks is sit down for a cup of coffee. I'll be like, hey, what's your history with money? Uh, why are we here today? Because I only basically get people through word of mouth. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm working with Dylan. This is the great. This is what we're doing. And people are like, yeah, I talked to my friend Jane. And Jane said, this is something I should work on too, and I'm really frustrated about X. Mm-hmm. So they come to me with the problem they only want to resolve. So mm-hmm. they know they're probably not spending in a way that they're comfortable with or it doesn't line up for their values. So a lot of times what I see is the spending habits that we make are spending habits that we feel comfortable with. Yeah. So it's like if you live in L.A., you feel comfortable going to brunch every yeah. week. That's a habit you've maybe had for right. 15 years, 10 years, 5 years. You could also go to Palm Springs. That feels comfortable. Santa Barbara. But I've had clients, like at first few meetings, say, like, I've never said this aloud, but I want to buy a house. I want to look at retirement, but I don't know what that means, what savings is. A lot of folks don't even know what savings is exactly. It's like, that doesn't make sense. I've literally had that conversation. And it's not like these people aren't intelligent, but it's also like the psychology of it and mm-hmm. holding on to money is really difficult. So... I, I love hearing those things. That's why I love working with couples, especially. Mm-hmm. Like I would say a third of my cl- current clients are couples. And it's hearing them have these conversations so that they better understand each other. So you don't think it's a off-the-bat deal-breaker if couples have different values with their money, but you think probably like anything with getting into a relationship, it's important to know what pages you're on and how they can work together and not just ignore it and pretend it's not there until it all blows up. Yeah, because yeah. it will blow up. <laughs> yeah, it definitely will. So I, 
I have uh, a question I ask couples when mm-hmm. I work with them, and I, one of them, if they kind of erase the issue of like, yeah, we, we talk about money differently. When I have the coffee with both of them, I'll say like, how do you both talk about money? How do you think about it? And then when we start working together, one of the first questions I'll ask is like, do you feel you have a full understanding of why your partner spends the money where they do? Interesting. I like that. And if they say no, then I say, okay. That is your goal. And what I do is say, before our next meeting, you two are going to have a meeting together. Your only objective for this meeting, for both of you, is to understand the other person's position. You're not going to judge it. You're not going to try to explain your side why it's better. You're not going to question it. Your job is you're understanding your partner. And I love doing that, A, because if you're working with us, working with me, and if you're in a partnership with this other person, you... You have to achieve this goal. Like mm-hmm. you're not there for the interim. Like I wouldn't subscribe that to someone's on three date three necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Well, because, I was gonna ask. Yeah, yeah. I, this is like yeah. I really am. I meant to be with this person. Mm-hmm. I choose to be with this person for the long term. So then to require that success, I feel a lot of times is you have to understand the other person. And then once you understand them, you I don't want to say it's an epiphany, but you appreciate the decisions they make because so much is the confrontation between the two is like, I don't understand why you did that. And then I get angry because it seems like you're valuing something that's dumb or mm-hmm. I don't appreciate mm-hmm. or that's not important for our future. And that's unfair to the partner because the partner's doing spending or saving in a certain way that is important to who they are. So just understanding each other. Now, here's the other side of that decision. If someone says to me, yeah, I do understand completely how my partner spends their money. Mm-hmm. Then I ask that partner, Mm. And I'll say, hey, Jane just said she understood what your spending is. Do you think that's true? Probably they're going to say no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that still leads them to the same goal of like, all right, just understand each other. Yeah. And once you understand each other, it's a much easier conversation to, you know, move forward. And that's financial conversation mm-hmm. right there. But honestly, as you can appreciate, that's a conversation for relationships as well. It's like understanding the decisions your partner makes in many different arenas. Yeah. And I would I would even go so far as to say, even though you might not be having the financial understanding conversation on the third date, I encourage people so much to let other people be more than their dating profile. Mm. Because I'm like, you might see something on there that says no to you, that you're like, no. But if you met them in person and actually like them as a person, you might be able to understand where that thing came from that you initially had a no reaction to. And I'd say most things can probably be surmounted with understanding. I love that. Like you've talked about how you question the idea of red flags in mm-hmm. many circumstances when we lay them out because it seems like you don't have enough information. Right. You know, red flags comes from this idea of like a severe danger, like yeah. weather mm-hmm. coming, upon, coming upon us. And so it's good to listen to someone's values because it's very easy to just like push it offhand as something that you don't want. But yeah, understanding someone, I can speak to like what my coaching is, is that my job is to fully understand the client mm-hmm. and the decisions they make. Mm-hmm. Like I don't carry, this is just something born into my genetics. I don't know why I'm not like this, but I don't have any judgment when clients tell me how their spending is. Um, everybody has, I don't want to say shame, but everybody has like questions about how they want to change their spending, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll be like, I shouldn't have done this. Like I have meetings with clients recently who are like, I've spent too much in these areas. Um, either food, restaurants, and dining, and Grubhub, or shopping, like clothing, or antiques, what have you. And they want to change it. 
and they'll feel bad about that previous life that they had. Mm-hmm. And my voice point is like, hey, we can't do anything about it. Also, you have this habit that you know you want to change. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. That's the big step. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of folks, they would not be ready to change that. And if you want to change that, that means that we can remove it and find better things for you. So I think listening to the other person, me understanding what they're talking about, what their needs are, it works. It's really valuable. And so going into a relationship, even starting to dating, being like, hey, I know you said this. This is like what you put on your profile. I want to learn more about that. And, you know, doing your due diligence. My first job out of college was working for the government doing disaster response. And there was legal requirements for us to do what we did and make sure that we um, helped as many people, did the right thing. It's called doing due diligence and putting as much effort as you can into the situation. And I believe in that and for dating and for finances. They're like, okay, have we done everything we could to understand this person that's in Mm. front of us? I love that. I really, really love that. I mean, I think it's true, especially because if you think about, and I talk about this a lot too, but when people meet uh, someone they want to date or something in context, like at their job or through friends or even out at a bar, they're willing to forgive so much more than when they're looking at them objectively on a dating app. Like I've, I've had clients that will be like, well, he has, you know, three roommates and doesn't really have a job and blah, blah, blah. But they're forgiving because they just have feelings for this person. They mm. met them in context. And then when they go on a dating app, they'll be like, I need to find out if he has a roommate before I even agree to meet up with them. And I'm like, but if you could understand, if you could put it in context, whatever their situation is, and also the knowledge that they can always change that, especially if they have a supportive partner mm-hmm. that people can grow together. Like I know that my finances have improved so much since kind of getting a supportive partner just because like he encourages me and didn't really let me just continue on with the normal things I was doing mm-hmm. in a good way, not in like a weird way, but like, you know, having someone else kind of there holding you accountable is also really helpful and working with you of course has been extremely helpful for both of us but i think you know people do just need to be more willing to not pass judgment right away yeah i i see that so dating apps having been around for let's say 10 years maybe 12 mm-hmm. maybe more. were you ever on them yeah, and when I was living in New York, I was... Dylan is married, by the way, yes. but he was once single. Yeah, it was uh, something that I remember starting when I was living in New York, and it was like, this is such a different vantage point to see an individual, you know, dating rel- uh, people you work with relatively close to you, mm-hmm. people that you see, like I did uh, UCB in New York and mm-hmm. in LA, and you're like, oh, we do improv shows at mm-hmm. bars and restaurants mm-hmm. late at night, and you see each other at parties, mm-hmm. so it's like... That's the norm. You get to know somebody or the essence of somebody. And on dating apps, it's like you get this small kaleidoscope, essentially, that's like, all right, this is the vantage point. And then, you know, it's interesting. I remember reading about Instagram photos of food, how that's become popular. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was popular 10 years ago. But that there was a great article that's saying that the images are so required of the food that is being produced by restaurants that the actual food taste is diminished yes. because it doesn't look as good as it should on Instagram. So they have to like change it. Right. So I, I think about that with online dating profiles is that people are projecting this image that's totally. not necessarily who they are. Right. So giving that a grain of salt and everything mm-hmm. as well. And so like finances are the same way. It's like when you see how people spend their money, 
why they spend that way or like when you first see them if you're in LA and they drive in a nice car mm-hmm. like okay what does what do they value with that car right you know? and maybe that's that's fine if they value that car but you have to like feel free to ask those questions that's what I love uh, dating like in New York and LA was that you got to know somebody and mm-hmm. this is kind of like what I still kind of get from coaching is this right. idea of like listening to an individual hearing what they're saying and then just trying to get more information out of them just so that they I understand them better to give them a path to like feeling healthy about money but so they them they themselves understand themselves I'm gonna say themselves one more time <laughs> they themselves understand themselves better because that's so important for them you know for coaching and it's the same for um, dating coaching is that mm-hmm. it's like you don't have a rule book like I can just attest that Dahlia doesn't have like a big three ring binder and says okay you did this so the flow chart says you have to do this right. and that and financial coaching is the same is that the path is defined by the person because everybody's different and also because if you choose to make the decisions they're so much more powerful I use this analogy far too much but in the movie Inception the small mm-hmm. film that came out a few years ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see that as the, the, the main story is, is that an idea that you have on your own is so much powerful than some other idea given to you by mm. somebody else. So if I tell you what to do, it's not going to be as powerful as you doing it yourself. Do you think that there are principles of coaching that could be helpful in dating? Or do you think that would lead to like a weird taking care of you know, uh, date situation? So like a, a parental situation? <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't want that. And I'm often encouraging people to take less care. But I, But I love this idea of like, trying to understand where someone's coming from or taking a genuine interest in like who a person is and what they value and what's underneath the pictures and the banter and whatever they're putting on their social media that can make you maybe almost bond to them more quickly or or more naturally than you would if you were just like going on a date and looking at what's in front of you right off the bat talking so what coaching is in many ways is understanding the person you're working with mm-hmm. and that's what you need to do in a relationship i feel like that to be successful whether it's a dating relationship or a coworker, or a colleague or even family understanding family a lot of those problems come mm-hmm. up in those situations mm-hmm. as well so i'd say uh, the key to finances as i said was like if you're in a relationship listening to the other person understanding them and for dating, I think it's the same way if you're starting out in a relationship. You know, I'm not an expert on dating. I'm not going to come here and say that. But I found so much value in going on a date, meeting someone for the first time, and saying like, okay, you know, not necessarily like, what's your favorite meal? Or where are you from? Everybody's from somewhere. But it's just like, what did you do today? What was your week? Mm-hmm. What did you choose to do last weekend? Mm-hmm. You went rock climbing. Mm-hmm. I've never done that. It seems very scary. But... Are you scared when you do it or do you still do it? And you hear about what they love and you understand them. It's twofold. You get to know the person better. And also, uh, people like being asked questions about themselves. And that yeah. might sound almost manipulative, but it's also like you inherently show interest in the person. And I like doing that. I don't feel like it's manipulative when I do it. No. But it's like I enjoy that process. But I can imagine many dates where people talk long-windedly about themselves and I think that's uh, a habit we do when we're insecure like I probably have fallen into this I might be falling into this right now in this podcast no 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 (laughs) you're just spouting wisdom you're fine so I think it's about listening to the other person and like I I know when you talk about dating and coaching if your goal is to make dating more fun for Mm -hmm. the people who do it 
and I was single for most of my 20s and half of my 30s just about and wow. like relationships here and there but it was definitely like feeling like going back to the dating world very often and the reason I felt comfortable with it or one of the reasons was that I like asking questions I like hearing about other people and I, I'm like that still today, like just being at parties and being like, my goal is just to learn about people. Mm-hmm. I don't say it itself when I walk in the door, I'm like, my goal is this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I get genuine pleasure from learning. Like last week I was at a birthday party and someone works for um, a water utility in LA and I didn't know anything about that and how they are trying to treat wastewater and what's wow. the laws and regulations of using wastewater and drinking water. It's forbidden. Did you know that in the state of California? I didn't know that. So they have to put the wastewater into the soil and then it gets moved into drinking water uh, filtration. It's a large bureaucracy. Wow, but now you know it. about it. I know it. it. And you know what? You're not always going to have exciting conversations like that, but it was. <laughs> it's fun to learn about those things. So I would say in dating... Think of it, it's like, yeah, you're trying to find somebody. That adds a lot of pressure to it, but it's just like, hey, this is just one night. This is the night. Let's learn something new. Yeah, I always tell people to think of it as people research. And Mm -hmm. I do think it's kind of inherently easier for people like us who are kind of naturally interested in people and like to learn about different kinds of people and where they're coming from. But I do think everyone can take that on a little bit, especially if what you say you want is to find a long-term partner. You're not going to find that by conducting a job interview Mm -hmm. or like a 10 questions questionnaire. You're going to find that by getting to the root of what it is about them that is interesting to you. And I think there can be something in everyone that is interesting to you. It might seem like, oh, we have nothing in common, but there's probably something deep down that you still would like to learn about. Mm -hmm. And I think that can help people so much in their dating. When you were dating in your 20s and early 30s, did you find finances or financial conversations or the weird who pays thing coming up a lot? Like, what was that like for you? Because you weren't... You are pretty recently a full-time financial coach. So I know it's always been something that you're good at and interested in. So were you like hyper aware of it? Did you find it affecting the dynamic at all? I would say thinking about money in the 20s and 30s was very standard in the sense that like, yeah, when we got to date, yeah, I think procedure was like, I felt comfortable buying or like buying another round or getting dinner just because that's so funny thinking about that like why I felt comfortable with that it yeah. just felt like um, I had lots of female friends my whole life so mm-hmm. I'd hear about really yeah it's where... so interesting how it just continues to be kind of a weird not talked about question that everybody has and I feel like no one is quite comfortable with their stance on it mm-hmm. like what is that what is that I think, well, I would say I would hear about men who would not buy dinner or drinks, and they also always sound like awful men. So yeah, it might be that. It might be hand-in-hand. Like, listen, if you're a great guy and you are offering to pay, yeah, I think that's fine. And if also you're a great guy and maybe the second date the other person wants to pay, guy, girl, 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 what have you, then, yeah, that totally makes sense. It's about basically saying... I think the way I would look at it, I remember having these conversations with friends, men and women. It's like, I value the time that we're spending together and I would like to like pay for our dinner, pay for our lunch. This isn't me. You know, I, that's a good question. I don't know if I have a strong answer because then I'm saying like, I'm not paying you for your time. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, I will jokingly tell people and I might get in trouble for saying this but I will jokingly be like patriarchy tax yes the guy has to pay you guys get 
statistic or percentage wise or whatever more money per job or whatever it is than women you make more money than us you have for years so to me in some ways that alone seems fair and just the fact that I mean I think in general women are are putting themselves at risk a little bit more going on dates than men are like just inherently by how we've been raised and the fact that like you know, women are kind of afraid of men at this point. Like all of that is kind of like, yeah, you should, you should pay. It's kind of a sign of understanding the dynamics, but I don't know if I even really feel comfortable saying that. Yeah. It's something very fluid right now in the mm-hmm. sense of like, where does it, we feel? Cause that's a change. Probably if we had this conversation 10 years ago, mm-hmm. it would be different. But you also asked like, how would I talk about money with people I was dating just in general? Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like that was something at that point I was comfortable with my own finances, but talking to other people about it at that stage when we're all like 25 trying to do comedy in New York, mm. uh, I feel like everybody's in a constant struggle. Like yeah. When we go to a bar, we're all buying a picture, picture of beer, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and we're not going out and trying really nice restaurants on the Upper East Side or anything, but we're like, okay, where's the dollar pizza Mm -hmm. we can go to this nearby here? So that was the way I think a lot of us talked about money and just being that struggle was like uh, everybody. Now everybody had different maybe sources of income. Some people worked on Wall Street during Mm -hmm. the day. Mm -hmm. They had good assistant jobs or what have you. But I think that's a gift and a curse. It's gifted because it feels like a sense of camaraderie. It's just like that poverty of the creative person that mm-hmm. we kind of like um we hold up as something to be proud of but at the same time i i i'd say like if we were able to talk about our finances more at that age and being comfortable saying like just because you're creative doesn't mean you can't save for an emergency mm-hmm. or save for family gifts or save for your retirement at 25 mm-hmm. which is what i'm a huge fan of mm-hmm. i can't give i don't give a specific investment advice but i'll say like yeah you can do these things that you didn't think were possible because when you look at your peers, it might feel like, oh, you know what? We're going dollar for dollar every day. Like we're just trying to survive. But for a lot of folks, it's basically, they don't talk about the money. So they kind of go into, as you've said before, like we go into our routines that we have. And if everybody else is doing the same thing with money, it's the same routine. Now in your thirties, I I notice a different in the Mm -hmm. sense, maybe this is Los Angeles. But people do brunches on Sundays and Saturdays for $45 Mm -hmm. every morning. And so that's another routine people get into without thinking like, oh, what are the other routines that we can build up? I get the question a fair amount from usually, I'm going to say men, that dating gets very expensive for them because of this thing where they're supposed to pay. And they'll be like, you know, kind of, mm, I don't want to say mad, but just a little frustrated that you know they'll go out with a girl they'll buy her two drinks they'll go to her neighborhood whatever and then the girl won't want a second date and they're like i can't keep spending like 50 dollars several times a week to not get a second date or to you know even if they get a second date like that has a lot of money and that adds up and so and on top of that i know that there are a lot of people in los angeles but probably everywhere who have like those gig economy jobs and they feel judgment about that when they go on a date with a woman who either is in the same position or a better one but they feel like they're not going to take me seriously because i'm an actor as soon as they hear i'm an actor i'm a comedian i uber i work at a restaurant i'm a bartender whatever there's there's a lot of judgment around that and i don't 
I think it partially comes from like women are taught to be looking for security in a way and we're just like I want to be with someone who's ready for a family or ready for this and for some reason we judge that from what their profession is I've tried to say like it's often being in the partnership that makes people level up their life and be like I don't want to bartend anymore or I want to be making more money or I want to be saving money. But what what would you say to kind of guys who are getting like frustrated with that whole thing and what can they do? I mean, I tell people to drink maximum, don't go out for dinner on a first date, don't go out for dinner on a second date. Like dinner is really a kind of bigger commitment both financially and time-wise that should be saved for later. So you don't spend all this energy and money. But what else, you know, how do we make this better for both people? Dating is expensive in Los Angeles. Yeah. Dating is expensive in New York. Um, there's there's fewer ways around that than we'd like for other solutions. So when I talk with clients about dating, a lot of the question is like how much they want to spend on like bars and restaurants. And, you know, as I said earlier, is that a lot of times finance is a question of values. And mm-hmm. What do they value? So what we do is we look at first few meetings we look at your spending history where have you been valuing your dollar without working with a coach and what happens let's say every client is that they spend in one area but they don't value it and they'll say when we build their targets as I like to call them also knows like budgets it's like yeah these you're spending too much in these areas that you don't feel comfortable with and you're not spending enough in areas where you do want to if they're at savings or gifts or charity or something like that so it's just like okay how much do you value that so when you say about like dating, uh, yeah, that's an area where it's like it's in those numbers. And so it might be a conversation saying, like, okay, I want to be able to go on a date a month mm-hmm. or two dates every week. You know, mm-hmm. that's a spectrum mm-hmm. or something like that. And it's like, okay, we need to have enough money towards that. But knowing that, yeah, you might not necessarily get a second date. The conversation that's very similar, you know, you asked me, like, how do people talk about finances early on in a mm-hmm. relationship? How do mm-hmm. those first few dates and originally when I thought about that, I was like, yeah, you shouldn't really dig into where you are with your debt necessarily Probably or your savings on the other side. I don't want to tell them you're a millionaire just because like lots of money issues are tied up on what people perceive what that means without looking to know you better. Uh, numbers are very odd. You know, it's just kind of like when people write very specific things on their, on their app, on the app, they're like, okay, what does this mean? You have to need more information. But what I would recommend for people to think about talking about money early on would be saying something that's like, hey, you know, this is a very specific example, saying like, hey, I'm working with a financial coach right now. I'm trying to cut back on certain spending so that I have more money for my family or for charity or for what your goals are. Wow. And saying like, so would you, instead of maybe going to this dinner, could we go on a hike? Could we go on a walk? Can we do this thing? I have this thing. Can I make you dinner? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So those types of things. And your question was that a lot of times people have judgment about being a Lyft driver or being an actor or a writer and all that. I've seen all of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And by telling them, hey, I have this plan for savings. That diffuses a lot of that. That's a great idea. Yeah, I have this bigger plan that's going on. And not only am I just talking about it, I'm actually making choices. I'm taking action about it. Mm -hmm. And as you've, I think, mentioned before, the other person probably appreciates it too because everybody in many ways is like not at a place where they want to be with money. So I think about this when four friends want to do brunch and one of them will say that. It's like, yeah, I'm working with a financial coach. I'm saving up for a house down payment. And so trying to cut back the three other people at that table probably are like, okay, 
great. Yeah, I don't right. want to do it either. Yeah, and then it starts <laughs> it's a conversation. True. It's true. Yeah, and so that they are all like, oh, we've such good good friends for 10 years, or people have been in a relationship for 10 years, and like, we've never talked about this. And once you, that person takes that first big step, mm-hmm. everyone else is a little more comfortable. That's true. So, because actually you shared a book with me that was very helpful called The Financial Diet. I'll plug it for free. Um, <laughs> that they talk about how, for some reason, money is this thing that we're taught not to talk about. It's taboo. It's almost like talking about your sex life. You know, it's like, we don't, like, just don't, just pretend it's not there. Like, if your friend asks you to brunch, you can't, I've had people be like, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't afford it. But like, talking about it in a real way of like, I have these goals, or I'm going through this struggle, or whatever it is. I really love the idea of that. Because to me, I think, when I was dating, if someone had said that to me, I would have been like, wow, because we do automatically assume, oh, they're an actor, a bartender, a Lyft driver. They're not ready, whatever that is, ready. And if they tell me, but I have a plan because it's important to me, then that probably changes my mind a bit. Yeah, I think having something constructed seems valuable. It's like you put thought into it. And I think people, you know, I'm not going to speak for everybody who's dating, but people like to have partners who put thought into what the actions they take and into their future. Yeah. Like if you're looking for a partner, you want somebody who thinks about their future. And this is kind of like what got me into this. Like I was writing full time before being a coach and I'm going into the third year of it now. And it was seeing so many, how so many of my friends not being able to talk about their finances. Mm -hmm. And it's something the entire creative community like kind of has a difficulty to it's a very different animal yeah well and also because it's such a signaler of like you aren't successful if you're not be able to work full-time from it Mm -hmm. and it's like it is so rare to be able to work full-time it's largely you know of course it's talent and hard work but it's also luck and who you know and whatever and even people who are working full-time from it the next day could not be so it, it it does turn into this it's not even just about money. It's like, well, are you good at what you do? Because if you are, wouldn't you be making all your money from it? Yeah. And that's such a hard judgment to get around, yeah. I think. I think people carry that judgment about themselves and they carry it about other people. And once they start having conversations about what this city means to them, like specifically, let's say Los, An- Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. <laughs> then it's like, well, what does living here and making us happy mean? And that's like, if I had a mission statement for my company is that I want people to have a healthy relationship with money. Mm-hmm. And for and I like, want people to have a healthy relationship. There you no go. No wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so having that healthy relationship means taking jobs that you want to take as a entertainer, either writer, editor, stunt worker, voiceover actor. Those are all like we... Every person who's been in this field has probably been offered positions that either pay well or pay enough to pay the rent that they don't really love. Mm-hmm. And so one of the goals is that like, all right, let's put enough money away so that you mm-hmm. feel comfortable. And that might be several thousand. It might be not, doesn't have to be a million, but having a cushion so you can only start doing jobs that you love. Saying yeah. yes to the things you really want to do and valuing A, the dollars you spend, but the dollars you earn. Because a lot of times, you know... The city attracts an idea that, like, you can make millions. Mm-hmm. Sure. A lot mm-hmm. of people do. Some. But a lot of people also make 50,000 working mm-hmm. actors, 35,000 working mm-hmm. actors. So then it is your decision, you know, to be, how do you feel comfortable with the money that you're earning? 
So like when I talk to clients, a lot of times is saying, you know, our income is goes up and down. We can't control. There's only so many gatekeepers in Los Angeles to decide if we get jobs. You're mm-hmm. right. It's luck. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. Mm-hmm. But we can, in many ways, control how much we spend. And that's the value decisions we make. So if you tell yourself, like, okay, these are the values I have for how I spend my time and my money, then maybe I don't need to earn 150000 this year right. or 75000 It's like, oh, yeah, I get to do all the fun jobs. I get to teach comedy writing. I get to go out for these commercials every once in a while. I don't know if that's a fun job, actually. <laughs> I get to do the fun things and... I'm content. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily going forward and saying, I have to make another hundred thousand. I have to do this. I right. have to do that. I like that spin on it. Cause I remember when we started working together, I told you something my mom had told me that kind of always like stuck in my mind. This is actually the first time I've thought of it since we kind of had this conversation, but she used to say, or maybe she still says, don't learn how to save money, learn how to make money mm. because she always wanted to make sure that I was not, spending my time not spending money but that i was spending my time figuring out how to have a better job a better career make 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 more money which i appreciate mom thank you um but you kind of made me think of it and and also i think in los angeles there's this pervasive kind of magical thinking thing of like well if i say i can't afford something or if i just make decisions about not having money that's going to like put out into the universe that I don't have money and therefore I still won't have money. So let me spend money as if I have money and then I'll have money. And like, I still have that sometimes where I'm like, well, if I'm holding the purse strings too tight, I'm going to get tense about money and then I'm not going to make money like this weird, like our minds can do it. And you kind of have a good spin on it, which is more like choose the things that are important to you to spend money on. And then guess what? You'll have more money for them. And you also won't have to spend more time doing things that are not important to you in order to have money for things that are not important to you. So I like, I like just the way that you take it from like a negative of like, don't spend money to like, do spend money on the things that really matter and ask yourself what really, really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so in like Los Angeles, I will say, and this is New York or Chicago or Albuquerque or what have you, people... In the 20s, 30s, 40s, like to spend money like on restaurants, bars, clothing, vacations, travel, mm-hmm. charity. Like mm-hmm. those are the areas where people spend. And I, my goal is never to have to necessarily cut any of those, but make sure that you're spending as much as you want in those areas. Mm-hmm. You know, as a coach, I feel very fortunate that I don't have to tell them where to spend. You know, mm-hmm. if they want to spend $700 a month on Grubhub, hey, we're going to find you $700 a month on wow, Grubhub. that's a lot of Grubhub. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's definitely about saying, like, what's the important things to you having yeah. those conversations? I and love that. one of the things you said also is that, like, you can work yourself up into anxiety being mm-hmm. like, I have to, I'm not earning enough right now. That's a big thing in this city right now. Is that, like, oh, nobody's getting staffed, it feels like. A lot of clients are, like, nervous about that or they're not going out as much as they did a few years ago. And the frustrating part is that, like, we start creating facts in our mind. And there's, Proof to this is that the part of our brain that creates opinion essentially can be move over to the part that's fact. So we start Mm. treating opinions as if it's facts, like Mm. gravity. So we start trusting them entirely. But those are all opinions. Those aren't necessarily truths that we tell ourselves. So having the conversations, like I meet with clients twice a month for this very reason, so that we talk about those anxieties. There's ups and downs throughout the week. That's why I have them email me if things come up. And also through the seasons, like 
goodness, holidays, that's travel plus gifts plus family. That's a lot of anxiety for, I don't know, everybody. Mm -hmm. So it's about having the conversations about how does that feel? What are the decisions we're making about money? What are the decisions that we value people? So like a lot of people's like love language will be uh, mm -hmm. giving gifts, mm -hmm. you know, and saying like, this is what's important to me. It's like, okay, let's break that apart. Let's talk about it and see what you really want to give to these people. Not necessarily monetarily, but like, is there a way for us to give them something that doesn't put you in the sh on the street mm -hmm. next week? Mm -hmm. So that anxiety comes up all the time. Like I, every client has what's called roadblocks when we go through this. And a lot of times after we set up targets and budgets, we have something called like second month blues where people have their budget. They're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm excited. But then they have to change their lifestyle a yeah. little bit. Maybe, you know, they can't go out to dinner one more time every month. And they're like frustrated <laughs> at me. <laughs> like, Wait, uh, this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. This, I find this a lot in my dating coaching is that at first there's like this attack, this like, I'm so excited to get back out there with this new support. And then there is like a but it's still hard kind of let down the second month of like, well, why isn't it working yet? And it's like, you told me this, like habits take a long time to change and especially habits related to money or dating, love, relationships is because they've been ingrained in you from your family, from everyone close to you since you were born, basically, by everything around you. So yeah, those habits are going to take some time to undo. I also, I really love uh, just what you're saying about deciding what you do value that also reminds me of my coaching a bit in that you know people are so eager to look for these red flags and that's kind of like saying you can't spend your money like you these are the things you don't mm -hmm. want and I encourage them to focus on what do you want what are you excited about what do you value and why if this if your partner not having a roommate is so important to you why like what is that really about mm -hmm. you know like what what does that mean to you because I, I do get a lot of clients that are like it's really important that my partner be able to support me or it's really important that my partner be where I am. I'm here and I want them to be here as well and I don't want to be taking care of someone else. And I think probably if I asked those kind of questions of like, what is that about your values? Like what is underneath that? What does that safety mean to you? Or how is that safety to you or something? Like that could maybe shine a light on a lot of these financial barriers that people put up about who they want their partner to be yeah and i'm even curious when you say who their partner should be and what they should be is the idea that they should be at that place right now if you are somebody who's earning let's say a hundred thousand a year is the expectation your partner is also supposed to be there or is there any give to say like oh my partner has plans and his dreams and excited about opening like a dog food store yeah that's the most exciting thing that I is think of right i mean now. in la right now there's, there's big so business. many different types of yes. food uh then do you give them slack for saying like, oh, I believe in them. I trust them. I want to see them go through this adventure and this journey. So that's, I think, it, it's tough in dating, I bet, because also swiping is the game of dating mm -hmm. in that sense, using an app in the sense that there's always somebody next. So if you're not that top 1% that gets through that crazy filter, yeah. then it's really tough. And so then with finances, yeah, it's about taking that time to dig deep and figure out, what they are mm -hmm. what they're about and also it's like figuring out what you are like asking those questions isn't necessarily you learning about what they want as a partner but who they are and what they value and you know going back to those roadblocks of second month blues i i think it's what i know is that it is rewiring 
and for rewiring to be fixed, it takes time. So I usually work with the client for about a year, mm. sometimes more, sometimes a little less, but it's that you're building habits. Yeah. And when I, we do the budgets, we don't necessarily say, okay, you're spending $500 a month on restaurants. Well, now you have $100. I will never say that, actually. We'll say, okay, this first month you have 500 restaurants you've been spending average. Let's keep it at 500 because the only goal right here is for you to be aware of your spending. Yeah. Just yeah. be conscious of it. Then the next two months, we we'll are like, hey, how did that feel? It's like, okay, it felt good. Would you be okay cutting at 50? All right, let's cut at 50. Then four or five months, we'll say like, hey, I had some roadblocks. It's like, yeah, but I got over that. I understand why I was spending so much going out with my family. I have to be careful about that. Can I bring it down to 350? Great. You know, we're slowly making these changes because that's what strong habits are built of. Like, right. the, fortunately, the habits you have with spending have been built maybe whoever's listening, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. Like you define spending when you get gifts as a child. It makes you happy. Mm -hmm. And so we have to kind of disassociate spending money a lot of times with making us happy. Would you say the same for, you know, people who they're dating someone and he, he seems cheap or he doesn't buy me flowers or if someone is having, like I wonder if in your couple's counseling of money you ever get people who are like, my husband doesn't buy me enough things and it makes me feel bad and I know he can or whatever. Like, what would you say to someone that their love language is receiving gifts and those kind of monetary things? Yeah. What do you think about that? So this is what's great about doing, uh, working with couples for my uh, coaching is that their other person's there. He is there. She is there. Mm -hmm. So that question goes to them right there. And you know what? I bet they've never talked to each other about that. Hmm. A lot of times when they talk about money in that room together, um, they told me a lot of couples have said like, this is the first time we talked about this. And so he or she will reflect on that and try to give an answer. Now it's about kind of navigating that so they don't get defensive mm -hmm. immediately, put up guard and say like, well, you know, X, Y, Z for whatever, instead of th not throwing punches, but being like, okay, this is why it's important to me. Now that's what's great about being the coach in the room, like over video being like, I'm here too. Mm -hmm. So having like a neutral third party having those conversations, it makes it so that everybody uh, plays fair, I guess I would say. It's like having a ref in the sense that someone yeah. in the room to be like, okay, you know you both are going to have to be constructive talking about it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to look like you're being mean mm -hmm. or just shut down. People don't shut down when there's a third person there usually. Actually, yeah. I've never seen that because they, like, I don't know if it's, it's a It's like a performative thing. thing, I think. It's like, I want you to see that I am able to open up and be honest. Yeah. And for some reason, it does feel safer yes. to have you there. It's performative, but it's also like they're doing it. It's like going to the gym and having that personal trainer is that, like, I wouldn't do this if that trainer was there necessarily lots of people have gym memberships and don't go but if stevie's calling you at two in the or right, three thirty totally. in the afternoon and saying yeah. where are you for this and you will be there yeah so they feel like there's a responsibility to do it as well so i would say yeah it's that conversation of understanding why like if somebody's feeling slighted which happens in relationships mm -hmm. for all different reasons. And in dating. Yeah, and in of dating. Like, he doesn't make enough effort for me. I'm always going to him, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. It's, you have, to, I would say it's like talking about it. At least when it comes to money is saying like, hey, this is how it feels. Like using that language. I've been watching, this is the most embarrassing thing I'll mention, <laughs> is that I've been watching a lot of Real Housewives of New York. Oh my God, do it. watched three seasons in the last wow. three months. <gasps> Uh, I don't know. How I don't know if I'm impressed or like. 
Uh, my wife and I were at a hotel in New Mexico, and it was on Bravo, and I was like, I could keep watching this. Oh, my God. So we've been watching it, and the show, you know, it's that they're quote-unquote friends, but they keep getting in arguments. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the yeah. perpetual yeah. thing. Everybody yeah. has different sides and everything. And you could see that there could be success when I watched it and being like, they wouldn't have this if they talked about how they felt. totally. Like, when you do this thing, it feels this. Yes. I see this on all of the crazy trash reality (laughs) dating shows I watch. Love Island, Temptation Island, Paradise Hotel, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. They all, if they would just say what they say in the confessionals to each other, then we would not have problems. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's being honest with the other person. But... This is the other key about it. You also have to be okay being wrong mm. because you and the relationship will be wrong about money mm. or in relationship general and being okay to be like, oh yeah, that was probably wrong and, ex- and truly accepting it. You can do that being you know, self-conscious about your spending, but you also have to do it how it affects others is being, being knowing that like, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes along the way and apologize for them. Do you think, um, back to what we were talking about a while ago, but in terms of letting someone know early in the, because I, I do with a lot of people who are kind of early in the dating phase, like kind of when or how is it appropriate to have these conversations or could you put, because like I hear, you know, guys complaining like, well, my profile says I'm an actor. No one ever wants to go on a date with me because they assume this about me. Would you put something on your profile that is like about those goals that we were talking about or that long-term plan? Or do you think it's kind of just like, well, someone should be willing to give them a chance and then they can have a conversation about it? Like, how do we break down these judgments and like get people to give each other a chance by understanding values and where they're coming from instead of judging their financial situation? So this is, I feel like a very Los Angeles thing where people, when you meet them, ask you what you do. Yes. Right. Totally. And it's, and then they go, and, but do you do that like full time? Like, is that your real job? Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember living in DC, people would hand out business cards and like, Mm -hmm. which congressperson do you work for? Which Senator? Oh, Oh, you work in the white house? Oh, executive branch, Mm -hmm. defense department, contractor. So it's a hierarchy thing. And I don't know if that's healthy. Like you're reading a recent article about how, when you ask children, they'll say, what do you want to do for when you grow up? that's not really a healthy conversation because you're oh. defining them by their job. Yeah. And that's what we're kind of doing here. It's like your job in one statement represents who you are. And I think that's a bit unfair. So I would say if you are one of these people who feel like you're immediately like blackballed because of your employment status, mm-hmm. I would say putting things on your profile that necessarily aren't job related, that mm. are about who you are and what you love. Mm-hmm. I bet everybody that's listening to that listening to the podcast is great they love something interesting they mm-hmm. something unusual you know looking at apps and i have friends that are still on it and i see that people put a lot of the same things yeah you know they like yeah. to travel they like mm-hmm. eating they're mm-hmm. cool they can do netflix but also they like dressing up putting something unique in there that would gain attention i think not yeah. something necessarily that would be uh obviously offensive or trying to be blue <laughs> necessarily do you think sometimes because i know some of the apps they require that you put a job should you be one of those people that like makes up a silly job and then have a conversation about it later? Or should you just kind of wear it on your sleeve and be like, whoever's going to judge me is going to judge me. I wouldn't be surprised if, if I was in the situation, I would do like what's called like AB testing, meaning you test oh. it one way 
for a few weeks, see how that is, putting your job, if it's an actor there, and then changing it to something kind of humorous or clever for a few weeks and see what kind of, you know, matches you receive in that. Yeah. It's difficult. I think I would imagine I would, if I was swiping, I would be like, I would read profiles and I want to read something that shows a distinct personality, some mm -hmm. specifics. So before I was doing financial coaching, I was teaching sketch writing. Mm -hmm. And the thing I taught for years more than I think anything else was be specific yeah, in your writing. I say it all the time. Details. Yes. Details. Sensory details. Yeah. Because then a person gets a sense of what it is to hang out with you. Yeah. If you mention a specific food or a drink, they can be like, I know what that experience is, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to like, I love all food and all drinks. Yeah. It, you have to be specific. Specific is memorable. Yeah. And so if you're swiping with 5,000 other people mm -hmm. in the city, I don't even know the numbers, then how do you differ? And it's not going to be necessarily a different photo because I don't know every photo. Uh, there's only so many ways you can take a photo at a beach. But, but your writing language is something I really appreciate and having that detail. And there's so many creative people in the city use that in that situation. And what would you say for the other side of that, which is the person judging, the person doing the judging, who's going, it's really important to me to have financial stability, therefore no actors, no comedians, no one who has roommates, no one who doesn't have a car, whatever, whatever. How, how can we broaden their thinking that's interesting because you're looking at i think you mentioned this earlier it's like you're defining what you don't want rather than what right you do totally and it sounds like you take this step of saying okay okay what do we really like about yeah. the person yeah and that what that allows is other people that may not fit the nose or like they would black out might fit in these mm, other ways i like so that so saying like you know i appreciate you don't like these things but also what's gonna what you're gonna find somebody you should know what you like rather mm -hmm. than what you don't mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say focus on those things and then they're more excited to talk about those things because there's lots of people who are not dateable who or you shouldn't be with that have jobs. Oh, totally. 100%. have financial stability. Yes. And know? just for the record, people with good jobs, that does not mean they're ready for a relationship no. in that sense of the word no. at all. Yeah. I think specifics in what, who you are if you're on the profile and specifics of what you want yeah. If you're looking for what you want beyond I want someone who has his own apartment mm -hmm. or I want someone who makes this much a year. But but thinking about values and thinking about what's underneath that. If you ask yourself, why is it important to me that they make six figures? Well, because I want to feel secure. Well, couldn't you feel secure from someone that you know is planning for their future and is reliable and is a good person? Wouldn't that also make you feel secure more than someone who makes six figures and could be doing God knows what with it? Mm -hmm. It's a partnership. Yeah. The way I think of it with finances, too, is that if you're in a couple and you're talking about money, it's like, this is my partner. And that's kind of how my wife and I refer to each other. It's like partners. Mm -hmm. And we like that because it's like, we're on this team together and we're trying to be as equal as possible. You know, I, as a, the man in the relationship, I have to be more conscious of that to be as equal as possible. Mm -hmm. She carries a lot. And now it's like, okay, I want a partner, somebody who can be on my team. This is the kind of team I like. And that's what I want is the way to think of it. And talking about money is a great way to know if you're going to be on the same team. So you can still yeah. talk about finances mm -hmm. a few times. Like, hey, what do you think about retirement accounts? Have you done those things? If that excites you, yeah. kind of does me, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then maybe, maybe you should be asking about that yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are some other just like good kind of first layer questions when a couple, let's say a couple has been dating for two, three months, 
Maybe they've defined the relationship, maybe not quite yet. They have some concerns about where the other person is financially. Like, what's kind of a good way to broach that topic? Mm. So I'll give you an example. When people are planning out their future, so a lot of times couples will decide on like vacations or seeing mm-hmm. family for the first time. A lot of times when one person will come to me or just in general, someone will think of this, it's like, yeah, I don't want to spend as much. That's their goal. Mm-hmm. They want to cut back on that spending the other person's doing. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, hey, I want you to cut back on your spending, which feels like you're telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. People don't like that. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes that. Mm-hmm. What you should say is something along the lines of like, hey, uh, I noticed this is happening. Like you're spending so much on Switch. You're playing this game. <laughs> Lots of games. I think that's great. We also have these other things that we're trying to save for. What do you think about that relationship? Yeah. Do you think we can save more for the other thing? Or do you value that? So as I said, probably seven times in this podcast, <laughs> money is just, the way we spend money is a value decision. Right. And so if you have a partner who's spending more in a certain area or not enough in another area, what you're saying is our values aren't aligned. Right. So take the idea of dollar amount out of that conversation, mm-hmm. saying like, hey, I'm really interested in going to meet your family in Wisconsin this year. Right now, I don't know if we have enough money between the two of us. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah. So it's not even talking about the Nintendo Switch games that they're buying every week. We're just talking about the other things you want to do. And that puts them not on the defensive. They're like, oh, I want you to meet Grandma Kay also yeah. in Wisconsin. She's mm-hmm. a hoot. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what are some things maybe I'm spending on that are too much? No, yeah. Makes, it's an ideal situation maybe. Right, of course. But that's the starting blocks. Instead yeah. of like accusing the other person. Yeah. Talk about what you want to yeah, do. Yeah. And do you think even earlier than that, because I'm, I'm just keep trying to like, I love it. you know, get it to who I know is listening. But I mean, I think all of this is very important to talk about and we're all going to find ourselves in these different situations. And I think it's really helpful for people to be already asking themselves these questions about what they value and what they want and where they want their time and energy to go. Do you think like, Let's say someone goes on a date with someone they're not sure about financially, but they've listened to this podcast and like, I'm going to give them a shot. Maybe it's not that important to me. I mean, I know that I want to feel secure, but I'm going to go out with this person who typically wouldn't make enough money for me. Is there a good early conversation around that uh, besides like, so are you saving for retirement? Like, or, or is it just kind of a see what their values are? See what you like about them. And if you like them enough to stick around for several dates, then later on you can have those, what are we saving for? Where are we going conversations? Like when is kind of a good time, do you think, to kind of have these conversations? And is there a good way to do it really kind of early if, it, if it's a concern of yours? So this is very funny. I When I would teach sketch writing at UCB, all sketch writers have this problem. Or the first page, sketch is only four to five pages at most. Mm. First page usually for new writers There's nothing funny that happens. Nothing unusual. That's a minute. So that's a minute of dead air. So I'm like, you need to cut it. In fact, right now, you need to bring the unusual thing, the funny thing, to the second line. Mm. So like right now, this is the exercise of like, all right, how do we want to talk about money if we got to talk about it on the first day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a little bit of both in the Mm -hmm. sense that asking questions directly about savings and income, goodness, that makes everybody tinge up, you know, turn into a ball. What Even because would... people are so on the defensive about it, people will be on the lookout with questions like, do you have roommates? Or have you traveled recently? They know these are coded ways yeah. of asking them how much money they have. So I would say, rather than demanding answers from the other person, I think starting with answering those questions yourself 
when you begin it. Meaning that you should open up your um, portfolio and say like, hey, this is what I've done since 23, just put away 300 bucks a month into a money market account, investing a little bit here and there. I really like it. Thought it was scary. Got into it more and more. I've been thinking about it. And also like I'm 30 now and I want to maybe retire in 25 years. That's not even a question. You're just yeah. dating something you're you enjoy. You're just talking about you you're if you're interested in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're throwing it out there. Hmm. And all those facts might not be specific to you, but it, the idea of like, if this is important to you in a partner, then it should be important to you as you. In I love the sense that. that you've defined something that, def- that that explains your feelings about finances and money. Right. And then explain that. See what comes back. It's like, oh, yeah, I feel the same way. It's been tough acting the last few years, but I have a show I'm pitching, so I'm hoping that'll put some more money away. I do fill out my IRA mm-hmm. every year, and that feels good. <laughs> so having that conversation. But yeah. asking specifically, like, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's a tough... That's tough. That feels like they're on the jury block or yeah. the um, yeah. witness stand, basically. Yeah. They have to answer those questions. So giving up that information... It's like showing your what's under your armor, mm-hmm. and then they feel more comfortable doing that as well. Yeah, but I would generally, as a dating coach, probably say let's save all of those conversations <laughs> Unless- for until you know that you actually like the person, like making out with them, enjoy spending time around them. Then you can maybe open up those conversations. I think that's safer in the sense that it can be intimate and yeah. it can like throw people off. Yeah. But if you're, ha- I mean, listen, if you're two people just randomly talking, like, hey, it's April fifteenth. That's the last day for us to put money in our IRA oh my god I did it too <laughs> yeah how much did you put in it like that becomes the fervor listen that's probably not gonna be any conversation no. but <laughs> uh yeah make sure you have that conversation but start it off with explaining yourself before asking yeah. of others that's such a and that's such a good general rule for dating too is like if something is really important to you and a partner look at yourself first and see if it exists in you and if you're happy with where it is or why it's so important in another person, maybe because you need to work on it in yourself is a big one. I also think, do you think if you are the person with the less money who's kind of on the chopping block that you should try and get out in front of it? Or is that kind of playing the defensive? Like if you're like, so yeah, so I, I'm an actor and I, I'm, you know, I'm saving up. Da, da, da. Like, should you kind of put that lead so they know? Or does that almost seem worse i that's a funny question i think that it's really up to the individual so you should feel confident about where you are yeah it's funny that if you have something that you are confident about even if it's a bad situation that's impressive Mm. even more impressive like let's say you have a million dollars saved and you say i have a million dollars okay great but if you say like yeah i've been acting for seven years but i have been able to put away 25 dollars a month and it feels really good to be able to put that as a goal every month yeah that that's not great. that much money, Mm-mm. but that's you are still confident in it. So I'd say if you are the one that's going to put on the chopping block mm-hmm. or maybe uncomfortable, it's saying it with confidence in a belief system. Now, that's tough to ask mm-hmm. because you probably feel uncomfortable. But that's why I recommend, you know, part of what is successful about what I do is the accountability, is the financial education, but is the conversations we have about money. And the more conversations you have, the more comfortable you're in the space more comfortable you are thinking about it, planning it. So if you're that person right now listening and saying, like, I don't feel comfortable with my money, start having conversations about it with the people you care and trust. Yeah, I love that. I mean, thank you so much. You're amazing. <laughs> this has uh, been great. This has been great. And 
I, I just, I feel like I've learned a lot. I also want to say I did bring up the roommate example a lot and I feel bad about it. Everyone in LA has roommates and there's no shame in it. So I just want to put that out there, which is why it's one of the things that I am sensitive to people being judgmental about. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've learned here is it's much more about what's behind the judgments, both of ourselves and of other people. Why are things important to us? And what, what do we really want to be looking for instead of just like a numerical value? Dylan, everyone, everyone should work with Dylan. And if you think like, oh, I can't afford a financial coach, like you need a financial coach. It is the most important thing you can do. It has been so helpful for me. You can find Dylan on his website at dylanteachesfinance.com. He has an amazing monthly newsletter, weekly, monthly. And it's great. It has tons of articles. You can sign up for it. It's totally free. He does workshops from time to time. He's great with creatives. He's great with everybody. He's taught me so much about saving and being comfortable, both with my money and with talking to my partner about money, which I never thought I would be. And, you know, I think it's true. So many relationships hit this roadblock or dating relationships, and there's a way. There's a way to work through it. Is there anything else you would like to say? Uh... Yeah, I listen. I I love working with people, but the idea of people just talking about money more in our culture just makes me happy. That's my goal doing this: is that it becomes as natural talking about this to your friends as it is talking about dating with your friends. Yes, and we're both here for you for all of your financial <laughs> and relationship needs, and to help you break those lifelong habits and start enjoying yourself more. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Dahlia. Bye. Just the tip, a dating tip. Dylan and I did touch on this a bit, but I can't emphasize enough the importance of specifics in your dating profile, especially if you think you might be judged by your profession or something else about you, which, you know, I'm doing my work to try and make that not happen anymore, but I'm not a magician, unfortunately. So, Specifics, things about you other than if you're an actor, other than acting, if you're a writer, other than writing, just things that show you have diversified interests, there's more to you, something else you do is going to catch the eye of someone who may have at first said, I have nothing in common with an actor, a writer, a lawyer, whatever. Oh, but maybe we could have something in common. And for the people on the other side of that, question your own judgments. Maybe You've always said no actors, no comedians, no artists, and it's not really getting you anywhere. You might surprise yourself to go with someone totally different than what you normally do. So look, while I say swipe yes on absolutely everyone, when you are doing that kind of deeper dive into who they are before deciding if you want to go on a date with them, even though I think everyone should go on a date with everybody, um, question your own judgments and ask yourself what your snap reaction to someone you know, having an apartment that doesn't look nice, having an unmade bed in the background of their photo, not taking a good picture, having a profession you don't like or trust. Ask yourself what that's really about and ask yourself if you could potentially be wrong. And then give that person a chance and learn who they are as a three-dimensional person rather than a couple lines and a couple photos. If you are interested in date coaching, which is support, accountability, rebuilding your old habits, being there for you, looking at what you're doing and how you could do it differently, feel free to reach out, notyourtherapistpodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in financial coaching, which as I said, I do and firmly believe in, this is not, I'm not being paid to plug this. I just really have seen the differences made in both my romantic life and my career to work with 
a accountability financial coach who makes me feel not scared about money, dylanteachesfinance.com. Sign up for his newsletter, attend a workshop, talk to him. He has a lot of great thoughts and things to say. That's where you can find him. So thank you to Dylan for being on the podcast today and sharing your infinite wisdom. Thank you to my beautiful producer, Christine Bartolucci, talent producer, Melissa Gruen, all of you for listening, rating, reviewing, and for making dating fun.